For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Vikings come out and play. Cousins throws. Pass is caught for the win. Kyle Rudolph and the Vikings are moving on. You are now listening. To the Believe in Vikings podcast Welcome to Believe in Vikings. I am your host, Dustin Baker um, from FranchiseTag.com and VikingsTerritory.com. I'm here with Brian McKinney, who won a Super Bowl champion with the Baltimore Ravens. Also played for the Vikings for a decade. And we have Ron Saw from FranchiseTag.com. We have Sally from Minneapolis, our new normal Yes, she's going to join us each and every time we're on air, barring some sort of schedule conflict. And then we have Matt Kleckner tonight, who is our fan guest, and he loves the Vikings, so he's going to talk about the Purple with us. Uh, we're going to go into all this week's events per usual about the Orlando Brown trade, and then boom, we have a draft in two nights. So we're going to talk a lot about that. But first, we're going to talk about betonline.ag. Uh, bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Bet online has you covered for all of the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website betonline.ag or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's betonline.ag, your online sportsbook experts. The first thing that I have on the docket for the crowd tonight is the Orlando Brown trade. A lot of us on the show um, last week were semi-confident that Brown would end up with the Vikings or at least thought there was a reasonable chance. Alas, that was false. Uh, The rich got richer. He got sent to the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, in a deal that included their first-round pick and a couple other things. But now Joe Thune and Arlena Brown will anchor the Chiefs line and nothing to do with the Vikings. So, Ron, um, what are you disappointed or indifferent by this news? Um, you know, probably a little more disappointed than indifferent, but it's also um, like it, it's one of those where everyone that's available, it's like, all right, great. We have holes on the line. Go get them. But, uh, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, as long as they don't, mess up the draft and we don't know who they're in contact with, whether it is some of the free agents that are available. So um, it's like, I'm one where unless you know exactly what you're getting, it's hard to dip into that next year draft capital. And, you know, unless it were, I don't think a pick swap would have just gotten the job done because if uh, it was the first from the the chiefs and then, um, you know, maybe a mid round pick, I don't know if we could have just moved back to 27 and given 14. So, um, you know, it's fine. It would have been nice, but, uh, there's other options available. And now if we look back and we don't get one of those other options, then, uh, then there might be a little bit more hostility to that, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, it's still early. I think we're in, you know, at least looking at it, it looks like we're in decent shape, um, for what 
is to become not decent shape right now. <laughs> yeah. Amen. And then keep an eye on for the listeners. Keep an eye on whatever the Ravens do, because now they got a little stockpile and the Vikings and Ravens love to trade over the past three years, two years, excuse me, they've traded three times. So there's a reasonable possibility that they will trade again. Um, whether that involves a first round pick, we shall see. Matt, uh, first time guest, what was your thoughts when you heard Brown was not going to the Vikings? Uh, obviously disappointed, you know, because we always want to have big name person just plug in there and say, all right, let's put Brown at tackle. And, you know, we can put Cleveland at left guard at the very worst. But at the end, you know, I don't remember what the exact figure was, but once people start throwing out, like how much money they had tied up between Mahomes and Brown and was it like one other person. So like three people with a shitload of money tied up into them. Um, Jones probably. You know, everyone's already complaining about how much Cousins makes. And, you know, even if it's top 10 money or top 15 money, you throw Brown in there and then they're going to start bitching and complaining when they have to start dumping, you know, these defensive players, you know, sooner. So it sucks. Um, But also looking at who's left out there, you know, you had Eric Fisher or Russell Kong. Yeah. Like not really like blown away by either of them. So, you know, every now and then you got to just kind of say YOLO and maybe just go for the guy. So, yeah. but I guess hopefully we can just focus on the draft now, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's our recourse. Uh, Sally, do you have any qualms about Orlando Brown not going to the Vikings? Well, I wouldn't say disappointed is the right word because I never thought it would happen anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, it, it is it is frustrating to see a team that recognizes their window, right? And their window might be several years longer, um, depending on what happens with Mahomes, because heaven forbid, you never know what's going to happen there. He could get injured. Um, but I like it that they see where they have a deficit and they go after it and they fix it to protect their franchise quarterback. And um, that's, you know, why they lost the Super Bowl. And so I really admire, um, despite what they had to give up, like I said, they don't know how long their window is. So um, I'm kind of jealous, to be honest. Yeah, and amen to that. I don't know any reasonable person that would disagree with you. Um, Of course, it's a lot of money, but it's kind of like that Lamborghini in the garage thing, or insurance policy, as Bryant calls it. Exactly. Yep. You want to have that lined up. So Brian, the way that I want to tie this back to you is that there are probably arguably three tackles in this draft, uh, Panay Sewell, Christian Derrissaw and Rashawn Slater that are considered day one left tackles, bona fide, can't miss. Um, and from, from your experience, uh, how, how game ready, how, uh, like one of those tackles like yourself, like what can you reasonably expect? They're going to be pretty damn good in, in their very first uh, year, or is that a stretch even for the guys that are highly touted out of college? Um, Out of those three, one of them will be ready and uh, be able to play um, this year, but they'll only get better as you know, the more, the more they play, the more years they, they um, have in the game. So I think that out of those three, at least one of them should definitely be, if not two, should definitely be maybe one who may struggle the first year. Um, you know, first year is a longer season. You just added an extra game. So they're playing way more games than they are in college. So they'll say they hit the rookie ball. So they'll definitely hit it this year with an extra game now. But I feel like um I feel like at least one of them could come in and make an impact. Okay. You I think that or sorry to interrupt. Like so Sewell, a perfect example. Like, and you didn't have to deal with this because of the COVID year that was like so Sewell hasn't played for a full full season. So his last, you know, 
level the competition was a year before. Do you think that um, will have an impact early on as he transitions to the NFL, or do you think that okay because it or, or like you said, hitting the rookie wall, like maybe now because he hasn't had gone from college to the preparation now into the draft and everything. So maybe he's a little fresh, but he might be picking up on things a little bit slower. So, um, I mean, for you, like, I guess the one like commonality is you're with the holdout that you had where you missed some time. Did that set you behind the eight ball a little bit to start? Or like, do you think that you were Um, just ready to get to it? As far as send me behind the eight ball from a standpoint of being in football condition, because at this point, everybody had training camp. Um, everybody had eight games under their belt. So they were already in their pretty much football shape where I'm just coming in <laughs> and they would have me rotate in, I think with Everett Lindsay. Um, okay. and they would just tell me, and you know, they would tell me that if I wanted to sit out a series, just to let them know, you know what I mean? I sat out two series. I basically played everything <laughs> else, you know, cause you're just excited to be there. Yeah. So right. I took like two different series off at a certain point in that game. But, um, so from that standpoint, he hasn't been used to playing in a full game in over a year. So it may be different. His timing may be off just a little bit, but I feel like, you know, with um, OTAs and things like that, he can kind of get it back. I don't feel like it's too far gone either. Bryant, um, I've never asked you this, and I'm curious. What do you, what point of your career, maybe what season, what age was your absolute prime as a left tackle? I, pass protection-wise, I did my best season actually was the year of um, 2005. Mm-hmm. It was one of my best years because that year I only gave up one sack that season. Mm-hmm. And it was also the season we had the whole love back, love boat thing. So in my mind, I was like, you just got to play good. <laughs> 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 Don't give nobody no reason to say anything. Just go out here, pass the deck. That was your motivation. Play good. Keep everybody off your back and they'll leave you alone. So that's kind of how, that was kind of my motivation. <laughs> was, make, um, make the waves off the field, not on the field. <laughs> <laughs> I use that my motivation like, you can't have a bad year this year, so... So about you know, your like about your program. fourth year? <clears throat> yeah, that was my fourth year. And then mm-hmm. I feel like I had another good year. Like, there was years that I, I was making... Um, I was an alternate, like, three years in a row for um, the Pro Bowl. <laughs> yeah. And these guys, I'm like, well, I hope they just don't go because they're tired of going. They kept going. So you had, like... <laughs> you kept having, like, Walter Jones, Loza yeah. Adams, Chris Samuels. Like, all those same guys, Orlando Pace, they were all in my division. So they would keep making the first three spots. I will always be number four. I don't know, maybe they just won't go one year. This was like three, maybe, three, maybe four years in a row. And um, then one year, finally, Orlando Pace didn't go. But then I was like the second alternate. So I think Chad Clifton went. And it was like, I just had to wait my turn for all these guys to get out the way. And I finally like, retired. And that was back when so the Pro I had some years in there that I feel like were pretty good. And I was being acknowledged. But I was always the one or two alternate, you know what I mean? And these guys were not missing going to Hawaii. Yeah. And that was back when the pro meant something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh, baby, I got a question for you. Uh-huh. Um, you know, scheme aside, you know, we saw it last year with uh Dantzler and Gladney coming in as rookies, not having a lot of time. How how does not having a lot of playing time affect the guys on the offensive side of the ball? Who has a harder time, the defensive guys or the offensive? Definitely the offense, because the offense is about timing and rhythm. Um, defense, you have 11 guys on defense. Everybody can blow coverage and assignment. One person make a sack or interception. It's a play made. It's a big play for the defense. Offense, everybody has to be on the same accord and kind of be going the same direction, same flow and everything. And if one guy misses a block or something, it could be a tackle for loss. So it's like everything has to be about rhythm and timing with the quarterback, receivers, running backs. 
offensive line has to be all you know on the same wavelength. So offensive side is, is more of a like musical instrument. Everybody has to kind of flow together. Defense, it can be all over the place and one person make a play and then it's like great job defense. So do you think that'll come into play with some of these draft picks this year? Like maybe they'll they'll look at you know lack of playing time or not as many games under their belt. I would think so. I really I wanted some time to sit in these rooms and see what it is they see in people, what are they thinking? Yeah, um, why they draft so many people though, but <laughs> but I don't I, I hope they get somebody um uh, offensive line. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, likewise. We'll be talking all about that uh that person. It, it has to be at least one. So we'll be talking about that person ad nauseum in uh, eight days. Sally, right, I did want to say um I appreciated your throwback post on Instagram this week where you specified you had a throwback to a yacht party. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh. It was not that yacht. Definitely wasn't Minnesota guy. <laughs> yeah, I, I got a kick out of that. Oscar. I said some people will get this. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sally, the uh, the uh, left tackle options are, are dwindling with Brown's uh, exodus off the board, so we can effectively sign the dude that dudes or dude that Matt is low on, and Eric Fisher or Russell Okung. Uh, mm-hmm. We can draft one of the uh, star-studded offensive tackles from the uh, first round of the draft. Or we can roll with Ezra Cleveland, move him back to his biological spot, or we can find a uh, tackle in a later round, third round or whatnot. Uh, what do you want to happen out of those options now? Oh, gosh. Um, that's a real Sophie's choice. Uh, I guess the draft would be my preference, um, a high-level uh, first-round guy. Um, I don't know if that's going to necessarily happen. Uh, out of the two guys that we mentioned, Eric Fisher and um, Okung, uh, I would say Fisher is the better choice there. Um, I mean, I know we're coming off of an Achilles injury, and that's – I mean, there's a reason that both of these guys aren't signed right now, right? Like, So it's not like either one um, are going to be a long-term solution for us, but I think at least with Fisher, um, it's a – I mean, we've been doing this thing where we're picking up guys, rotating them in, rotating them out, shuffling their position – so I think that would at least be somebody who has some success at left tackle um, and doesn't seem as uh, only his ninth season compared to, you know, 12th season. But um, I would prefer draft for sure. So let's hopefully can figure that out. Lock that in. I will uh, point out that uh, Oc- uh, Russell Okung is habitually injured. And for Fisher, it's kind of his first, br- br- first brush with it. Um, and But it's a nasty one. It's the same injury yeah. Kevin Durant had. And we all or a lot of us know how long it took him to come back to the basketball court. So it's kind of uh, if you signed Fisher, you hope for the best that he'll get back to that form because he is a pretty darn good left tackle. And if they uh, drafted Elijah Vera Tucker to play guard, then all of a sudden you have a offensive line that is pretty good uh, if you think the good ver- version of Fisher is going to be restored. Uh, Matt, you said that you're low on those two as, you know, fix all options. So what is your utopian scenario then? Uh, be like Madden and draft an offensive line coach <laughs> and um, really nail those draft picks. You don't um, trust Dennison? We're all in agreement <laughs> that uh, Fisher is the better free agent uh, acquisition at this point. Um, but something I, I've just never quite been happy with is, you know, we have the defensive line whisperer, you know, and Andre Patterson, but when it comes to offensive line, 
tail it. You know, we've gotten guys in the draft and we've been very happy to get them. And then either after one year or, you know, maybe two years, you know, it's kind of a shithouse situation. Like they're just not what we thought they were coming out of the draft. And there was an article I read saying that there was a, they were analyzing the positions and the playing of each individual offensive lineman. And they're saying, you know, the footwork and the hand, the hands were all different among every single player. And it's like, they need to get someone on the offensive line. And I don't know anything about coaching offensive line, obviously, but obviously Rick Dennison isn't it. So maybe, you know, it'd be nice to find someone who can get them all on the same level and start from there. Cause otherwise we're going to keep drafting these great guys. And then in two years, we're going to be bitching about them. Yeah. On Ryan, what was it? Like, obviously you played for Tice and Tice seemed like the O-line whisper that, you know, Matt's alluding to that where, what Patterson is, what was it about Tice that made him so good at developing and sustaining an offensive line? Um, I think he knew what to look for. And then um, he, I guess kind of like, was around it so much because even when I had, even with him as a head coach, he sat down with me and kind of went over film and showed me how to make some of these blocks easier. And he just knew some things. Like, even though he was like, yeah, I'm saying you got line coach, but you know, I was one as well. And I'm going to show you some ways to make these blocks easier. And, and he like, you're not going to get yelled at if you do it the way I told you to do it anyway. And his, the way he was teaching me, it helped. And that was in 05. And that's when I feel like I had like a really good season because a pass block and I knew I could do already, but he was teaching me different things on the run. Okay. It can't um, be easy. Uh, can you move? Like we tend to move guys a lot. So, you know, it's, I, I know as soon as you move from one side to the other, you know, your feet have to change, your hands have to change, everything has to change. But we're asking guys to do that all the time. It's like we're drafting a bunch of, you know, Swiss Army knives and expecting, you know, pro level play out of them. It's not going to happen. We're just, and that's tough because everybody has a position where they play better at so they need to play there instead of making them keep rehabbing to learn and then you have to like use the other side of your brain like oh now i gotta go this way it, yeah. it, it can be a lot i so think that's i think that's how we like, ruined wherever you want them to be at like let them just be there and let them learn that position to kind of dominate there and just learn to get backups like you know what i mean and trust your backups but keep moving everybody around that's that's kind of bad on the player because then on film that's not going to make them look too good either if they're going from their strong position to now just going somewhere else you feel like they're more of a competitor, so you're going to move them around. I feel like it's taken away from the player. Yeah, I will make the argument that that's what ruined Pat Elfline in 2017. We were all pretty high on him, and then we played musical chairs, and it went to complete feces after that. Uh, Sally, you were going to say something. I was going to say, BMAC, can you get Tice on the show, or are you going to make me slide into his DMs and ask? I can try to reach out to him. I, I, I want to pick his brain. Yeah, we need to talk to him about multiple subjects, but definitely this one. So, Sally's just okay. going to host that show. I'll be, <laughs> I'll be in the backdrop. I'll just, you know, because she's got all this brain power for him. Uh, yeah. that I'm excited to see. Uh, BMAC, on that topic, I, I don't want to forget this. So is uh, is there a, a trait or a couple of traits that um, are indicative of what will make a good left tackle? I'll give you an example in my own life when I'm trying to find uh, – football writers for our website. The number one thing I look for when somebody's writing is whether or not they're convincing. If they can convince me of something when they're writing, uh, is there a trait of a football player at left tackle? That's like, Oh, I see he does this or he's this tall, blah, blah, blah. Um, well, having good feet is one because you're going to get the most athletic defensive lineman, um, on the field, uh, when you're the left tackle. So having good feet is always one good thing. Um, being able to use your hands, 
uh, well and trying to get gain inside leverage is also another good thing. And um, just kind of having be be able to have body control, so you're not when you're like pass blocking, you're not lunging out over, you know what I mean, like over your body because that way they can use your momentum to swim around you and all other things like that. So having body control is is really good too. Um, I don't feel like you have to be a certain height for left tackle, okay. but um, you do have to have enough like girth to kind of withstand bull <laughs> rushes and things like that from these guys too because they they get a run and start at you. Yeah. Okay. So now one one name that like, and I don't know what what the situation is, but why the name's not even brought up in like any national type coverage. But Mitchell Schwartz, the other tackle who the Chiefs cut, because before he missed most of this year with an injury, he was an All Pro last year. So literally the top of the top, and he's been great for a long time. So, um, like. I guess one, like for, if anyone has any insight, like why isn't his name ever brought up? Like maybe like not necessarily even for the Vikings, like, although with him, you can move O'Neal to the left and, you know, start that whole charade all over. But, uh, um, but it seems like Fisher and Okung and, you know, Trey Turner and those names get brought up, but here's the literal all pro from the last year he was healthy and he's nowhere to be heard. And he's, you know, 30, 31. So I don't any of you guys have any insight on that? I um I have some friends that are Chiefs fans, and when I when I'm quick to uh, needle them about Rimmers, you know, being the weak link in the line, they're like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa, no, Schwartz is coming back." So I think they're of the mindset that he'll stay there. Um, I've only recently seen the seedlings of maybe Schwartz will go elsewhere because he wasn't even on my radar, and I write so damn much about all this Viking stuff that it's strange that he wouldn't be. So to to your to your point, indeed, if he is, then yeah, it's something we'll have to explore. Only because we're down to nubbins, and uh, I think um, on the question that I posed to Sally and Matt, uh, I think Ron, you and I are in agreement that our best maybe correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, what I want to happen, most ideal, if I was Spielman, was that Rashawn Slater falls to the Vikings organically, and then that is our draft pick. Is that what you want for solve this LT thing, or what do you want? Well, so I do want Slater, but I actually um, – so if we got a chance, Sewell, like that's the left tackle, and then Darisaw, left tackle. The mm-hmm. other two guys, whether it's Vera Tucker or Slater, who actually Slater is the num- my number one guy, mm-hmm. uh, I actually think left guard for him is the ideal spot. And, you know, it's not the whole, like I get left tackle is a premium position, but I look at it in the Quentin Nelson sense, you get someone who's going to be dominant at that spot. And I know like his size might be what's in question being six, three, six, four, but you look at the way he's built. He just looks like an interior lineman. Who's just going to maul, but also he has the footwork and athleticism to be a pulling guard. So I think if you have him at left guard and move Cleveland back to his natural position because there were times where Cleveland looked unmatched on the inside. So I think we need to get more bulk um, to go. I I understand the whole zone blocking scheme. We want these athletic guys, but why can't we get an athletic guy who can also, you know, not get, you know, old laid like Dakota Dozier did. So Um, that's a point of uh, (laughs) emphasis that I think we all realize, but we never say it explicitly that right now, the two most glaring spots on this team you know the 40 hours for the draft is a left tackle and a left guard and those are the two humans on the damn team that are going to protect the quarterback and we don't know we don't know what's going to come of it it's the biggest uncertain part is the insurance policy that brian's talked about to protect the quarterback and that's bizarre so it, it needs remedy and fast uh matt back to you um i don't know if you caught any of rick spielman's press conference today uh he kind of did the political dancing around but then he was a little forthcoming at times he effectively confirmed that they're no way shape or form married to the 14th spot 
which I believe means a trade is in order. So do you think it's more realistic that Spielman trades up or down? Uh, we've been watching them draft for a lot of years now. And aside from when they got what uh, Patterson and Smith in the same first mm-hmm. round, they rarely well, go Smith was with Khalil. First round picks. So um, I, Rick likes to acquire picks. So if anything, he'll think that someone's going to fall or based on the way the cards are going, and he'll go down if he does, especially because there's teams behind him that want quarterbacks. And I think he's going to try to be, you know, kind of a dick when it comes to that. Like, what, what do you got? What do you got? Come on, give me something. Yeah. I think the last time the Vikings traded up with their first commodity of the night was like uh, 30-something years ago with DJ Dozier, I believe. Um, I'll, to, I'll look that up to confirm, but I'm pretty sure that's right. So, yes, habitually we trade back. Um, Bryant, do you think it's more likely that the Vikings trade up or down on you know Thursday night? If they're going to trade, they're probably down. I've never, like, I'm ready to see them trade up. I listen, when, who was that? The year after me, I think, Kevin Williams, they let picks hey, go by. Who was that? I see them, see them trading down. I don't see them going up. Yeah. yeah that's, <laughs> that seemed like it was a mistake when that happened. And yeah, I feel like that was on purpose. Yeah. They didn't want seven big again. They, yeah, people, they, they wanted to save money in the, the draft slot. <laughs> people have uh, messaged me on Twitter saying, you know, what what do I want to have happen? And uh, I'm pretty much telling them I'm cool with everything. You know, I'll be excited about everything except incompetence so if they forget or they're late or if it's some <laughs> stupid thing where it's some guy i've never heard of that's when but that doesn't really happen with the vikings um you know so i don't i shouldn't have too much to worry about uh ron do you think that the vikings trade up or down so i think um as of now i actually think that trading up is very likely like there's a lot of steam obviously with that eight seven pick um so you know my prediction and we'll probably get to it later i think the top four picks will be quarterback whether it's the falcons making that pick or trading back um and then that opens up the floodgates because between sewell and slater i actually think the vikings want one of those depending on what it's going to take and if that seven or eight spot sitting there um you know for the taking let's say um i see them moving up but the uh, on the other side of that i think the more likely if say a quarterback doesn't go at four. I think it's going to be a trade down to somewhere still in the top 20, but then eventually trading up with thir- the thirds to get back into the second. So I think, okay. I think they're going to have two picks in the top 45 um, one way or another, but um, how that's going to happen? I'm not sure. Okay. Sally uh, up or down. I was going to agree with back. Um, I think Rick wants, you know, he's missing that second round pick. He has a lot of success in the second round. Um, I think he wants uh, to make up for that. And like everyone else said, just based on history, I just don't really see him trading up, but crazier things have happened, right? Indeed. Um, what about the the trade partner? Um, that's something that we don't really talk about a whole lot. We keep talking about, you know, is it who's it, or, you know, up or down, or who's the pick at fourteen? But uh, who do you foresee, Sally, that would be, you know, a trade partner for the Vikings? Um, well, Ron touched on it. I think eight or nine, um, Carolina or uh, Spielman did shout out the Broncos today, so I'm sure that means it's definitely not happening. But. <laughs> Uh, you know, maybe right around there. Okay. So uh familiar face there. Uh, I speculated the Ravens only because they seem to, it seems like every 
couple of years, the Vikings get in bed with a certain team to trade players. Uh, for a while, it was the Bengals. Uh, you know, then there's always the tendency of Vikings wide receivers to somehow go to Seattle. Uh, and it always seems like they develop trends. So it must be open lines of communication. Uh, Matt, which team, uh, since we all seem to think the Vikings will make a trade on Thursday night, uh, which team or maybe top three teams do you think it'll happen with? Um, you know, like I was saying behind us, the um, Patriots need a quarterback. You know, I don't think anybody is sold on Cam Newton anymore. Um, I, I don't think I have been for years. I think, you know, they're, they're looking for a better option, you know, but they're kind of a hard nosed team. It might be, you know, Rick might not get as much out of them as he wants, but once those QBs start disappearing off the board, um, I think they could start getting a little, you know, start making that phone call to light up for Rick. Um, that would be my main, probably my main thought of who's, who's going up. Um, you know, like you said, they do have some history with the Ravens, but probably not, not much is going to happen. And I don't really see them trading with a division foe. You know, yeah. Chicago does like to do a bunch of dumb stuff in the draft that we always end up laughing at them for. Um, it wouldn't surprise me to see something like that happen, to see them swap. Um, but that would just be too perfect and too meme worthy. <laughs> Do you think that Rick will get in bed with a Patriots first round trade again, though, after what happened with Cordero? If anything, he'd be looking for redemption from that. <laughs> I know, but I just, I don't think he's going to outsmart him. He should have learned his lesson. <laughs> yeah. You know, it was all about <laughs> Use them the right way. It would have been fine. I want to interrupt for just a second to talk about sunglasses. If you can believe that. Yes, sunglasses. Uh, I go through a lot of those out of forgetfulness. I'll lose them or leave them places. Uh, I've got two young children at home, so they break them. They break their own, so on and so forth. Uh, so let's talk about Kanan sunglasses. That's K-A-E-N-O-N. It's time to make your outdoor experiences better with Kanan. Kanan sunglasses are made exclusively with polarized lenses for optimal clarity. They're made with Japanese optics that make their lenses clearer, lighter, and stronger, and Italian handcrafted frames that are impossible to scratch. Use the exclusive code K-A-E-N-O-N-C-A-S-T-15, KananCast15, at Kanan.com to receive 15% off your first pair. That's K-A-E-N-O-N-C-A-S-T-15. One five. Kanan, clearly better. Ron, who's the likely trade partner? So, yeah, I think the Broncos is the obvious choice. Um, you know, you may see that at numerous points in the draft um, just because of the relationship um, with Patton, Peyton. I still don't know what, what the correct pronunciation Peyton. is. Um, but between that, um, I think that'll be huge. Plus, it doesn't seem like the needs of the two teams, like, inter are overlapped so the Broncos obviously need a ton on defense um as well as some on offense but uh you know they're they seem to be pretty set at least they're comfortable offensive line you know probably need like it just seems like a perfect pairing so um the Bears are one where I do I know in division trades are very unlikely but I think that's one where Spielman will be able to you know carry his big stick um, and be like, all right, you want a quarterback. You're going to move up in front of the Patriots. Now I'm going to take the house from you. Like if that's what you want, like if it's um, so I could see that happening because they're, they absolutely don't make very smart moves. I mean, Mitchell Trubisky over Watson and Mahomes um, was just dumb in, its, in itself, but uh, um, the, 
you know, as far as what else is out there, um, it's a lot of it's just going to depend on how the board falls. And if five quarterbacks go in the top 10, then that just leaves a lot of defensive players that are going to be there. And there's not necessarily a lot of teams in the teens that would, would prioritize offensive line over um, defense. So um, we'll see. It's, you know, that's the fun of watching it. Someone's bound to slide. It's just a matter of who is it going to be. When uh, believe our uh, host uh, sound bites things and puts it on Twitter, I hope they sound bite your big stick of abuse for the Chicago Bears. That'll be, <laughs> that'll be perfect for like the little 30 second spiel that they do. Uh, Bryant, uh, before we hop into a little 14 pick mock draft um, with the crew, tell us uh, what you did on draft night. Like, you know, what was what was it like for a guy that was going to be picked in the top 10? Kind of walk us through it. <laughs> the night before? No, I'm sorry. Did I say that? The night of. <laughs> well, we probably want to know about the night before now. But yeah, the whole thing. The <laughs> where so was the, the draft of? when you were drafted? Where where was it held? Okay, I was in New York. So I got okay. invited to New York. Um, and I was there. It does seem like it's a lot of time. Even though I was something number seven, it seemed like you're there for a little minute. So I, I can only imagine people who get invited and they drop it to like the mid-20s. I, I've watched that before too. Um, they try to get the people they invite. They try to pick people who they feel like would be drafted in the top ten, but you know that that can be subject to change. Um, you're there, you're in the back, and honestly, um, I'm gonna say around pick number five. I think when they finished number five, Coach Tite they called me in the back and had um said, you know, welcome to the Minnesota Vikings. Blah, blah, blah. So I, I knew before the cameras was on me um, where I was going, and then. You know, you go on stage, you pray yourself. I mean, to be thinking like, what's all in Minnesota? Like, you know what I mean? And who are the players? And then you go on stage. At the at the time, it was Taglibu. Um, shake his hand, put on the hat, you hold the jersey, and then you go right to media. So you do like a whole press conference with a bunch of people um, asking questions and doing interviews. And then at that time, the draft back then, the draft was on Saturday mornings. So oh, yeah. I flew right to Minnesota. Um, basically, with what I had on, <laughs> like you didn't go back to the hotel. It was like they had a ticket ready for you. Like as soon as you, it was like timed up crazy. Like as soon as I finished the interview, it was like you really didn't have time to do anything else. It was like a car outside. You got in the car, went straight to the airport, and you came to Minnesota. You had to do press soon as you got to Minnesota. Um, and they had like a change of clothes for you here, and they put you in a hotel. And I was only here for that one night, and then they, you know, they send you back, and then you start um getting prepared for like mini camps and things like that. Do they fly you private at that, or are you sitting there and you're hopping on a Delta flight? No, yeah, it was it was commercial. So I think at the time it was Northwest. So yeah, you hop on Northwest and you came on up there um, straight from the draft, and <laughs> then they they're there to meet you. Um, you know, at the airport and they take you there, and then there's a whole press conference in Minnesota that was set up. Did you, you get first there. class at least? Jeez. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. They, and Manny, stuff me. I'm too big. They take up stuff me. Back there. <laughs> is that so, middle seat? Is that Did like they take uh, you to Manny's at least? Huh? Did you go to Manny's? Where'd they take you to dinner? I don't remember where I went to. I want to say Wildfire, maybe or something like that. Oh God! Because <laughs> we, we were ready to eat. Oh, you were in Eden Prairie. Prairie. Didn't go out to the city or anything. So yeah, we you were in Eden Prairie. Prairie. Okay, that makes sense. All right, that's acceptable. <laughs> oh, yeah. The way that you described it, Brian, it sounds like uh, in that whirlwind of the night and then the flight is like, is that is that the moment you're like, my life is different now? Like I am a grown up. Like I've I've made it. Is that how it feels? Because now you know. Because you know why. Leading up to this, you don't. You have no clue where you're about to spend the next few years of your life. 
Mm-hmm. So right now it's like all the mystery guessing game. So you kind of are a little more relieved that now you know where you're going to be at. So now you're kind of focusing on where you're going to be and, you know, see if you know anybody on the team and just things like that. But right now I know these guys are nervous because they have no clue where they're about to go. <laughs> yeah. Now, what is it? <laughs> What is that like when, you know, again, your whole life's being uprooted? Like, you know, it's not like college where you get to choose where to go and like right. living on campus or whatnot. So now, again, yeah, you're becoming an adult. You're coming here when housing situation or, you know, where you're living. Like, obviously, like how how is that whole process for you? All the first go around? That's a process, too, because people don't realize you have to find housing in the meantime. Like, you know what I mean? So with me, especially with me, my first year, I had rented a furnished place because I came so late. I had rented a place that was furnished for like those last six months I was there or whatever. And then I was able to go through the whole process. Like when I came back for like OTAs or off season workouts of finding a place, but um, you have to, yes, yeah, a lot. Cause you're really like, know you want to be somewhere for at least four years. So you really have to like figure out, is this going to be your main place that you live in? Like it's, it's a lot. Then you Did have you to ever- furniture. It's, it just, it's, it seemed like a lot, especially that first year you, you try to get acclimated to the city, to the team, get your house together, um, get familiar with the area. It's, it's a lot of things coming at you at one time. So did you buy a place here? Were you, like, were you just seasonal where you'd rent? No, I bought, a place. I bought okay. a place up in Minnesota. All right. All right, let's do this mock draft because I don't know how long it'll take and I don't want us recording an hour and 20-minute show that people won't listen to. Uh, so we're going to do um, all the way up to 14, and that leads us to the Vikings pick, and then we'll go around the horn talking about who we would pick or actually you know, who we think, who we would pick, blah, blah, blah. And then, Brian, as we go through these picks for the other teams, if you just want to chime in, anything that comes to mind, that's fine. I didn't put you on the spot to have to study the mock drafts. Okay. Uh, just to be fair, if you want to do that next year, we could certainly do it. So uh, uh, let's see. So we're going to wipe off Lawrence and Wilson off the board because it would be absolutely unsung and unheard of if those two did not go to Jacksonville and New York, respectively. And that puts you on the clock, Ron, for the uh, Niners. Uh, who do they pick at three? So, you know, it's funny because you hear all of the, um, like, it, I, I laugh because it's like, oh, Garoppolo's our guy this year. We love him. But there's five quarterbacks coming in. We don't know which one we like. We'll take any one of them. So um, I think the steam behind Mac Jones is kind of maybe a little overblown. I think that's one of the smoke signals that's being going up because in my mind, I don't think you know, however many weeks before the draft that you're trading, giving all that capital up to trade for Mac Jones. Um, I just don't see it at all. Um, I think, I think it truly is a race between fields and Lance. And I think again, you're not, you're not trading up for Jones. I actually think Lance is going to be the pick, um, because of that developmental year. So, um, if we're doing a mock, I'm saying that the Niners are going to take Lance and go that or attempt to go that, uh, Patrick Mahomes on the Kansas city chiefs route. Okay. Sally, you're up with the Falcons. Oh gosh, you guys, I'm so stressed right now. <laughs> Did I, the clock. I might, <laughs> I might forget to submit my pick, honestly. Um, I'm going to go for the Falcons with Kyle Pitts. Um, I don't know. I know that they need a quarterback, but they seem like they're not completely ready to move on from Matt Ryan. Um, so that's what I'm going with. Okay. okay I'm done. Cool. No, that's more than reasonable. That's a, that's that's what they should do, in my opinion. Uh, that Matt, that puts you with the the Bingles at number five. Um, I went with uh, Penny Sewell for that. Um, Smart choice. 
they did sign, you know, Riley Reef in the offseason. You know, he was still, still a solid performer. They put him in his natural position over on the right. So Seal will plug him in on the left. Um, you know, just uh, you can't hit your weapons if you can't keep your quarterback alive. So they definitely need a guy there. Okay. I will stay on brand in the sense that these hundreds of mock drafts that are out there, uh, if they don't pick Jamar Chase, then the damn Dolphins will. And that's who I got to give uh, Tugavola uh, some weaponry. And that brings us back to Ron with the Lions, the uh, the big question mark at number seven. Yeah, so I think the Lions, I mean, they have so many needs on their team and with Dan Campbell and trying to get stability. So ultimately I think they trade back and accumulate picks much like, you know, kind of what the dolphins did when they were kind of in that tank mode, obviously for this case, we can't do that. But uh, (laughs) so if they stay where they are, I think they'll address wide receiver because they need weapons. Um, They lost Galladay. They lost Marvin Jones um, and they didn't really replace them with, I mean, is it Brashad Perriman? Um, Brashad Perriman, (laughs) Tyrell Williams and Khalif Raymond. So uh, while uh, yeah, like Perriman, you know, he's always seems to be hurt and he, you know, for a while didn't have hands, but he was always fast. Um, He's not a number one. So I think for them, I think Jalen Waddle is, would be the pick um, a guy that can give them that Tyree kill element. Um, and so I do think they would take Waddle in this in this situation. Okay, I want to point out to listeners that if there's we're not trading here because it's impossible to know, and it's weird if I'm saying Matt, hey, I'll trade you this when I have no care about this <laughs> team and drafts drafts for. But this is an example of how Justin Fields would slide because right now we're to the Panthers and he is not off the board. So if you're wondering, well, I don't think Fields will slide. We just did it. Uh, so <laughs> no pressure, Sally. You have the Panthers at number eight. Well, I'm going to go with Slater um, because their offensive line is also a mess and um, they need a lot of work. So, okay. For the Panthers. All right. That, that uh, certainly adds up to protect Mr. Darnold in his uh, second act of his career. Uh, Matt, you have the Broncos. I think I had Trey Lance in here. I thought he was going to slide down this way. They need someone, um, you know, uh, I'm forgetting right now who they drafted, but he just hasn't been the guy. He hasn't, you know, really planned out the way that they thought he would. Um, so yeah, um, he's a good uh, uh, lost it. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna go with Trey Lance. He's gone. He went to the Niners, sir. Do you want? <laughs> no. or, oh, yeah. Can you hear me? I took Lance for the Niners at three. Yeah. Do you want me to give them fields, Matt? Uh, what was that? Lance is gone. Do you want me to give them fields instead? Um, yeah, because okay. so I actually had the Jets drafting fields oh, only really? because um, I feel like the Jets don't draft well. So I thought that they would make a reach for fields and put him at two. Um, oh, okay. So, yes, yeah, I guess we'll, we'll swap fields there. All right, I'll be damned. Uh, I'm going to, <clears throat> let's see, I have the Cowboys. This is tempting with Micah Parsons there because of Sean Lee's exodus from the NFL. Um, but I think Sertain is probably too irresistible. And I know I'm going to be sitting there Thursday night and it's going to be Parsons. I'm going to be like, God, I was on air and I could have had him. Uh, but I'll stick, uh, with, I'll stick with Sertain. I will say, like, I don't think 
Parsons as a threat to go to the Cowboys because of Vander Esch and Jalen Smith. Um, okay, so point. I just, so to ease your mind, like I know you want Parsons to be there at 14. So I, yeah. I truly think Parsons is safe to not be there or not be taken by them. So, all right. That means you are up, I believe with uh, the, the jam giants. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think again, if this uh, falls like this, um, I feel like the giants are going to do everything in their power to get Daniel Jones weapons um, because, you know, he's not, hasn't shown that he's consistently good. Um, but uh, I think Devonte Smith would be too much to pass up at this point and w- whether or not teams do this, but for them, if they're sitting there, um, it keeps Devonte Smith off the Eagles, which um is a win for them in its own right. So I think that's kind of the double, double whammy. We're getting Barkley back and we have weapons. So okay. let's go for it. Devonta Smith to the Jants, as Jerry Jones calls them. Uh, Sally, you're up with uh, the hated Eagles. <laughs> uh, Eagles have JC Horn, uh cornerback. Um, pretty confident in that one. Okay. Y'all like my explanations? They're really thorough. No, that works. That's, I'm so nervous. I can't tell you how nervous I am with the unpredictability of this. Yeah, well, I wasn't sure. I like the draft. I wasn't sure if we were all sharing our picks, or that's why I got so confused with the oh. other. One. <laughs> well, I tried to make it so it's semi-realistic when we get to the the Vikings. But you blew here. up my whole list. It's trash. <laughs> I'm in. I'm in Sally's boat now. I got nothing. You can and also, to- I don't like making these picks publicly because it, um, you know, it hurts my credibility as armchair GM <laughs> this year. So, this is, a lot of, this is a lot for me. Okay. All right. Well, then uh, we'll have to work next week at restoring Sally's credibility. But uh, tonight she is up Shit's Creek. Uh, let's see. That gives uh, the Chargers to you, Matt. Do you have something? original that you'd like to say here? Is this something that's already off the board 12 picks ago? Uh, I didn't hear him called yet. Um, mm-hmm. The Chargers kind of blew up their offensive line. Mm-hmm. So I plugged in Christian Derrishaw because um, I believe they have a, someone, who, I can't remember his name, because he, he hasn't played at all. He hasn't made any starts on that side, but that's the guy who's penciled in right now. So I think if you go with Derrishaw day one, he's an instant upgrade at that spot for them. Okay, well, then that gives us a board for all of us to opine. It looks like this will probably be our last little topic for the night. Uh, among the names that are available for your Minnesota, Minnesota Vikings are Mac Jones, Micah Parsons, Christian Barmore, Rashad Bateman, uh, Lajavera Tucker, Caleb Farley, Quiddy Pay, Jalen Phillips. And that's about it for reasonable stuff at the 14th pick. So this can be as creative as you want to be. Um, I think a lot of you can go ahead and predict that we'll trade back here. Or if uh, you think one of these dudes is too irresistible, then so be it. So let's hear from our keynote guest, Matt. What do you think uh, happens with this board? Um, I've got two ideas here now that we have it laid out with us. Um, I have Tucker in because it's not a sexy pick, but we could use just, we need, we need a guard. Um, So if we go with him, I wouldn't be unhappy with that. Um, Obviously we got the, um, you know, the coaching issues that I feel are going to plague us no matter what. Um, But with uh, Quinnipay available with how our, with how the defense was last year, you know, if we can give the, the secondary just a little bit more time, you know, the pass rush last year was just 
terrible. It was god awful, and it exposed our rookie corners for what they were, and it really overtaxed our safeties. Um, so I feel like with Hunter coming back and put pay on the other side, um, I believe with a, a year under those um, those guys' belts on the outside, and with pay and Hunter rushing and creating some havoc. I believe Zimmer might not be able to contain himself if that's on the board. Okay. Sally, what about you? First of all, Matt, I'd like to say that you see me having a panic attack over here and then you made two picks. (laughs) I do like to shit all over things. So, you know, um, (laughs) I don't really know. I it up while you weren't talking. Oh, if you want to make it easy on yourself, you can either pick what you would do or what you think the Vikings will do. If that helps your anxiety at all, (laughs) does that make it worse? I mean, you guys already messed up everything that I would do other than trade back. So, um, did he say that he was, I I was so upset about the two picks that I, (laughs) um, is he taking, um, Parsons? Did you say Parsons? I did not. Okay. Well then that's what I'm going to say. Zimmer is not going to be able to resist. Michael Parsons. You're locking that in. Okay. I here. Now here's what I would do. I would not leave Parsons on the board. I would take him and figure it out later. Um, because I consider him the best player available. So I guess I have that Zimmerian brain, Sally. You'll have to slap me off air. Um, but I think with this board, I'm going to stick to it that they will trade back to an unknown team. I'm hoping it's to the Ravens so they can scoop both of those first rounders. Um so, yes, in this board, I would predict they would trade back with their eyes on AVT or pay, and then that way you can fill, fill roster holes um, for you know offensive line and edge rusher as fit. But it would be close to irresistibly Parsons on the board. Ron, what's your, what's your speech here? So, you know, the more and more, the closer we get to the draft, um, Parsons is a name that has skied skyrocketed up my mental board because I mean, I go back to Penn state linebacker. You like, when's the last time a linebacker out of Penn state has been bad. Um, I mean, you go back with, uh, you know, Sean Lee, I'm pretty sure it was Penn state, but then, you know, LeVar Arrington, like back in, they, they were always great linebackers. So mm-hmm. um, whether it's, um, you know, this year, you know, kind of him being that third linebacker in a way it does help your pass rush because now bar can rush, on third downs. Um, but, uh, that's his size and speed and, um, downhill ability next Kendricks. That would be very appealing. Um, but again, with no trades and not being able to trade back and accumulate other picks, if we were like, if this were the board and the, and if the Vikings walked away with, um, Vera Tucker, I would be extremely happy. So, um, the one thing I know he's played left tackle. He obviously translates more to a letter to a guard, but the reason why I think he'd actually be a really good guard is he's got the mobility at his 40 yard dash, which I know you're not doing sprints as an offensive lineman, but you know, five Oh five. But most importantly, he's 36 reps on the bench. So he can handle those interior linemen um, D linemen that would beat on essentially playing the nose. So between that, and then obviously his shuttle at four, seven and three cone drill, seven, six, seven, like he's a very athletic offensive lineman. So he fits that mold, but he also isn't going to get, you know, beat like and push backwards, like Mike Remmers was. So, um, that would be it, it, it's an instant starter that upgrades, a 
area of weakness. Um, so while it would be a little bit of a reach, it fills a need. And I think he actually does have a, a you know, starting and star like potential, um, probably not the star level that Mike Parsons is, but it's hard to justify taking a linebacker um, with the way our defense is constructed right now. Okay. Bryant, um, how about just what position do you think uh, night number one, the Vikings end up drafting? I don't need you to put a name to it, but a position. Hopefully uh, a left tackle. Left tackle. (laughs) (laughs) Simple as that. Uh, All right. So some housekeeping in order. Uh, Next week on Wednesday, we'll have Anthony Harris, former safety for the Vikings on the show. Bryant hooked that up. Uh, I didn't know they were friends until about two days ago. Um, But yeah, now he plays for the Eagles, but he's still going to come back and chat with us, barring some sort of schedule schedule snafu. Closure. (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah we'll have a kumbaya to send him on his way and then sally do you want to tease your guest for the week after that or are you going to keep that close to the chest for a while let's let's just keep people in suspense <laughs> i can find out next week all right fair enough uh matt anything else for the the group tonight uh you know i, I was wondering you know Is Julio Jones going to screw things up with the draft? You know, they're talking about, you know, moving them for the right offers. You know, is that going to throw things into a spin for other teams? Because um, if they do, then maybe they're drafting a wide receiver first. And, you know, that's going to screw things up for Detroit and for Philadelphia, who both definitely need wide receivers. So yeah. I think do they'd the have Falcons to... know if Julio is going somewhere? And are they going to kind of play with phone calls or not? I think, I think if it they, does, screw, sorry, if it does screw it up, it'll be in a good way because, um, like that, those, those players, like what we want the most is question marks at that seven, eight pick or whatever. Like we don't want it to be an easy choice where they have to like, Oh, you know, Jamar chase is falling. Like the lions have to scoop them up. I, I want it in limbo where it's like, they're not going to be good with whoever they take at this point. Like, let's just be real. Um, it's <laughs> it, they're drafting for the future. So the more question marks we can give them there, the better it is. And I think if Pitts is available at five, I think he's a lock for the Bengals. So then that pushes offensive line down. So now instead of uh, Sewell um, or, you know, Slater being taken potentially by the Panthers, now it might be Sewell who falls there. So um, I think all that uncertainty would be a plus for the Vikings. Yep, and then uh, I think the with the Falcons, because Julio can't reasonably be traded until after June 1st, it would be them picking a wide receiver like, you know, bada-bing, they take um, Jamar Chase, and then it's just indicative of what they'll do after June 1st. Um, so because of the money, it gets a little dicey. But all right, Matt, well, I appreciate you coming on the show. I hope you keep us in mind for perhaps a summer or autumn um, appearance so we can discuss this thing as it gets closer to kickoff. And I am heading to Cleveland tomorrow night. Um, my wife and I will hit the road right after my daytime job. And I'll see what kind of uh, stuff I can come up with there. Otherwise, we'll be back in eight days with Anthony Harris. And that's all we have. Skull Vikings. Thank you for listening to Believe. 
You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.